Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. Will you shut Who is up, man? Listen. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Brian Russell Smith. I'm Elise Morales. And the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the crazy shit going on in the news brought to you by your three funniest friends. What is this? Good morning. How did it feel waking up to the first full day of the Biden administration? Feel light as a feather. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I didn't like, I don't know. It was very exciting. It was just still very exciting. I actually slept very poorly, so I did not. I, it, it's a personal thing, but you know. Yes, let's get into it, Brian. You sure you want to share? <laughs> no. <laughs> Basically, one person hogs the sheets and one doesn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. That does sound mm, like a partisan issue. <laughs> <laughs> Last night, we did. You guys watch the uh, the prime time event? I was oh, too yeah. sleepy. I fell asleep. I, I will say that my ability to pay attention to what was going on by the time we got to the primetime event was very low. So, and just attention span after the past four years just burned also, out. Yeah. I can't watch, you know, I can watch eight hours of television, I guess I should say. However, I can't watch eight hours of this. No. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) what's ultimately just like kind of them taking Joe Biden from place to place and then like, we're going to take pictures of Joe Biden here and now we're going to go take some pictures of Joe Biden over here. Yeah, (laughs) it's like, like, oh, Kamala Harris lost an earring. That's that's something. She lost an earring. (laughs) Doug's picking it up. Look at that. Okay. Right. It was like at the point where uh, a little while in, by that point, it's like when Netflix would have come on and been like, are you still watching? And I've been like, yeah, "Yeah." no, I'm not. Good Uh catch. I will uh-huh. say though that did entertain me for a solid five hours. Like yes, <laughs> <laughs> like I did love all of that. Watching everyone's little outfit, mm-hmm. getting to know all of the all of the B level characters that we're gonna learn about now. Yeah, uh, very mm-hmm. exciting. Very exciting. I forgot that I was obsessed with the Biden granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know about Ella Emhoff, and now I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, I'm excited. I'm excited for this new family of not uh, con people. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that I'd been like watching like Ella and um, Cole's Instagrams, and Cole had about six thousand followers on Monday, and now he has like fifteen thousand. Oh. Yeah. I would say he sort of is still the most under the radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I know less about Cole. Ella really stole the show from me. She did in that coat. And she was making funny faces at Mike Pence. Come on. I did go back and look, though, after yesterday's podcast when Brian said that Cole had a funny reaction when Kamala got sworn in. And he really does. He just like shakes <laughs> his head like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I also didn't realize Amy Klobuchar would have such a large role in the inauguration. And I feel like I feel like she did a good job as the MC. you know? I, 
I was I was saying that um I was like I think they picked her because they see her they perceive her in the Democratic establishment. Amy Klobuchar is the funny one, and so yes. they were like, and we'll, we'll Amy will host it. Yes, <laughs> it's like when you get like your brother-in-law to like call call you out when you're like after you get married. It's like oh he's the fun one. Like, who can give the speech? Amy, you know what? Amy will do the speech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, the the funniest, the funniest senator, I would probably say, is Bernie Sanders, but he probably wouldn't have done it. He was like, I got Whoa. shit to do that day. I'm going to the post office after. Yeah, he's unintentionally funny. He's not like... And when he's intentionally funny, it's not nice. It's That's like, true. <laughs> Bernie would be a terrible MC. I said <laughs> I said my dad all the Ber- Bernie memes, and my dad is the Bernie meme, so he did not. He was like, why is this funny? I don't get it. He's just sitting. He's just in New York. And I sent yeah. them to my mom, and she was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> your, ma- your dad just sees a man minding his business. Like, <laughs> yes, he has no idea. I said, I'm like, look at these funny memes of Bernie in New York. He goes, why is Bernie in New York? Dad, he's not. It's... <laughs> I'll do a Patreon episode where I just talk about my dad's reactions to all the memes I send him. Let me know if there's interest. So let's get into the show today. There is a lot of governing happening, believe it or not, which is a a rare departure. In his inaugural address yesterday, President Biden hinted that his early presidency would be defined by six cascading crises, in his words. These are the virus, climate change, growing inequality, racism, America's global standing, and attacks on truth and democracy. NBD. Easy task. <laughs> I know. I was, um, when, when I read this in the outline, it just made me think like, Joe Biden has run for president many times. He's been in the Senate for a really long time. He's probably imagined his inauguration and presidency a million times the way like I imagine going on like my favorite podcast. I'm yeah. on my favorite podcast. Thanks. But other uh, podcasts yeah, I know exactly. that I like, uh-huh. <laughs> or like my Emmys, my Emmys speech or Your whatever. Your late night story that you're going to tell. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. All of that stuff. So I just been like, Biden has probably imagined this moment so many times and for it to be like, we will now address the six cascading crises. <laughs> like, fuck, dude. <laughs> uh, cascading is an appropriate term, too. Like, yes. it's like, it just like keeps falling. <laughs> yeah, keeps whoever on his team came up with cascading crises, they really, they really hit the nail on the head. Yeah, there. they did. Mm-hmm. Because they all obviously compound each other and make each other worse. So he really got right to work on this. Joe Biden began his workday by signing a stack of 17 executive orders, which is more than any previous modern president. Nine of these were targeted at undoing the Trump era orders. I just found it so gratifying to see the pictures of the, the stack of leather folders. Yes. Yeah, and they're not full of just blank paper that some asshole wheeled out because Trump was like, we got to get some paper on the desk. <laughs> I can't believe we're doing anything if I don't have stacks of random papers. I need yeah. 17 folders. Uh-huh, because everything happens on paper these days, you know. <laughs> That's how the White House operates. Printed yeah. out pieces of paper. Yeah. <laughs> Email. What? Uh, I know. Um, the first day they were like, so Joe, you want to go back to putting everything on email? And he was like, do we have to? Yeah. I actually bet Joe is very, very, probably uh, more tech literate than the average 77 year old. Probably. Well, maybe. One would hope. He's got the granddaughters. You know, I feel like they helped him. Yeah. It was nice to see him like wear a mask and like be appropriate in terms of COVID. And it was like, probably one of the first times a president has worn a mask in the Oval Office, if not the first. I mean, that we know of. That we know of. That's true. That's a good point. 
Bill Clinton and JFK seemed like they were into some crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bill Clinton has had his mouth covered in the Oval Office by some. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So nine of these 17 orders were targeted at undoing Trump-era orders. A lot of these were symbolic. A lot of executive actions are, but that's a big part of it. I mean, think of all the things that threw us into a spiral and devastated us over the Trump years. They were things that were often executive orders that had unclear immediate impact, but were just so cruel and icky and devastating to have out there. So a lot of these are symbolic, but many will have a practical immediate impact, especially those related to the pandemic. This has never been more of an emergency. We say this every podcast, but it's true. 4,400 people died of COVID-19 yesterday alone. So it seems about time to install a COVID-19 response coordinator, which is what one of Biden's executive orders does. Imagine going to the White House to be the COVID-19 response coordinator, and it's like, it's not a backfill position. It's a brand new one. Yeah. Like, so basically, we we want you to do whatever you Make want it your own. Roll, you know? Um, well, there was that report from like CNN this morning that they have no vaccine rollout plan. Like they literally have just been fucking sitting on their like hands. I don't know. I was going to say I like mean, twirling their thumbs, but that's a lot of that's that, that, that metaphor. I was going to say sitting on their thumbs, but that's a different like metaphor. <laughs> sitting on their <laughs> thumbs. They're doing both. They're sitting on their twiddled thumbs. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think honestly, once Donald Trump... Any semblance of a pandemic response that was happening ended once Donald Trump lost the election, then all of the powers that he commanded in our government were focused on his election fraud claims. And any amount of COVID-19 response that we had was basically just like things chugging along from before. Mm -hmm. I really don't think that anyone's been leading a response at all. So yeah, these vaccines came out and that's amazing, but we didn't coordinate a plan because Donald Trump didn't give a shit. He knew in his heart of hearts, he knew he lost. So he didn't give a fuck about doing anything for anyone because he's like that selfish. And number two, he was completely focused on contesting the election. So Mm -hmm. we, they are going in with just a clusterfuck. Uh, New York had to cancel thousands of appointments this week Mm -hmm. because the vac they didn't have enough vaccines to actually fulfill the appointments. Right. I feel like there was a plan and the plan was you'll get more on this date. And then they said, we actually don't have them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's only been one day, but the more we hear about what wasn't in place, 
the more we hear about what's being put in place, the, it's even more shocking that they weren't already. They just spent these, it, it wasn't just Trump. It was all of them did nothing for four years. Is there like, like how, how this is negligence, you know, I thought like, the same yeah. thing. it's like, how is this? Like, this is it's like criminal. punishable. This should be, yeah, exactly. It's criminal. It's criminal. And just so many fucking people have died because of this incompetent human. And I yeah. think like we said, I think now that they're gone and Biden is in there, we're going to see even more of how incompetent and negligent that they've been. I know. Imagine being in there and just uncovering it. You're just like a staff person, maybe our age. You're just like, holy shit. <laughs> you're the COVID-19 response lady. And you're, <laughs> yeah. you just open up a drawer and you're like, I guess I'll get started here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do I, can I get a, can I get a, a White House email, please? <gasps> yes, right. you can't log into any of the computers. <laughs> They're like, oh, sorry, the system hasn't been set up for your position yet because it's new. Um, yeah. But you can log in on the intern's account. <laughs> yeah, you can share an assistant with like the scheduler, I guess. Oh, I keep God. imagining her in the office where they put Ainsley Haynes in the West Wing, <laughs> the like shitty office that the the yeah. lawyer Ainsley, and then eventually Matthew Perry, whoever's mm-hmm. the Republican lawyer that works for them, goes in the shitty office. Yesterday, yeah, yesterday when we were watching Jen Psaki, me and Sam were like, "Oh, it's like C.J. Craig." We're like, "No, it's not. She's only like C.J. Craig in that she's a woman with the same hair length and has competence." But we haven't had any any of that <laughs> in so long that we're like, "It's C.J." It's not. Jen Psaki's like, I don't think they're, they don't seem to have similar personas, but it's just, it, it feels like a callback to a competence porn. I've been watching the West Wing as competence porn a lot in the past couple of years. So I think maybe that feels like, that's why it feels like a return. I did feel, I, I have also been watching the West Wing recently and I did immediate, immediately think about CJ and yeah. then be like, don't do that. Yeah, don't, right. <laughs> don't immediately be like, it's the West Wing. Everything's fine. We're good. Yay. <laughs> Let's calm down, brain. Let's not do that. (laughs) Yeah. Another COVID-related executive action rejoins the World Health Organization. It was that easy. And yet another mandates masks and social distancing on federal lands, which I believe now means that, I mean, I think after, I think Nancy had put in, Nancy Pelosi had put in some fines for not wearing masks for lawmakers. But I mean, it seems like Republicans that work in government spend a lot of time on federal lands. So they got to start wearing masks. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Lauren Bobert. I bet Whoever. half of them are like, oh, thank God I can start wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they haven't been allowed to in front of their leader. There are also some moratoriums on evictions and student loan payments. Thank Christ. Another order on immigration strengthens DACA and orders Congress to create a path to citizenship and permanent status for those impacted. Another order revokes the Trump administration's plan to exclude non-citizens from the census count. Pretty sure the Supreme Court said they couldn't do it, and they just like kept trying to do it. So yeah. no more of that. Biden has also rescinded the so-called Muslim ban and restarted the visa process for people from those countries, the countries impacted. But he's also ordered agencies to redress any harm that this did in the entire period that it was in effect, which was most of the presidency. Biden also ordered construction to stop on the border wall. He revoked emergency authorization that allowed uh, the billions in federal funding to support it. The reason I'm going through all these is because you can just remember, like, wow, he's really undoing all of the. I know, like, like him undoing the Muslim ban felt so symbolic because that was the first thing that Trump did. And I remember when, like, everyone went to JFK and, like, there was a lot, like, that was like one of the big protests when he first took 
office as well. And so it felt there was something particularly like, uh, yeah, symbolic to me when mm-hmm. seeing that one get rescinded on day one. Well, and especially like the student loans thing. I can't believe that wasn't <laughs> a thing already. Um, and just like being a DACA recipient, I, I can't imagine the stress and anxiety that these, these people have had, these yes. kids have had for the past four years. And then for him to just do this, like day one, just be like, oh. I had like, to have a president shit. say, we want you here and we're going to figure out a way for you to be here. Don't. Yeah, yeah you, sure. We, we may, we're not going to send you back to a country where you don't speak the language and you don't ever remember living in, like in some well, cases. Also, you know, I, it's really good because we don't want these DACA recipients who have been like terrorized for the past four years to be at the whim of every president who good comes point. in. Yeah. Like we need an actual law to be passed that normalizes their status and gets them, you know, they should be full citizens, obviously. Mm -hmm. So we need a law to be passed that actually protects them because I'm obviously, thank God Biden did what he did today, but it could just as easily be undone with another Republican president coming in. So we do really like, we need to pursue getting real legal protection on the books for them ASAP. Right. Otherwise, it's just going to be executive order from president to president. I mean, Republicans accused Obama of doing this, and that's why Trump did it a lot. And now we're coming back around and doing it, too. Um, But we're going to have some challenges in terms of legislation that we're going to spend the rest of the show talking about. To finish up these orders, we rejoin the Paris Climate Accord, which is an agreement of nearly 200 countries to move away from planet warming fossil fuels like coal, oil and natural gas. Biden also ended the 1776 Commission, which Trump started on his way out the door, which was basically going to distort the role of slavery in America's history and our origin story. A few more, Biden also appointed Susan Rice to lead a robust interagency effort to root out systemic racism. Good luck, Susan. Yeah, have fun with that one, Susan. Here's your reward for all the other shit you had to deal with. Yeah. As a reward for being Benghazi, lady, you get to fix racism. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Susan. God bless her. Finally, (laughs) finally, there are more, but they... Don't want to spend the whole day reading from an outline, but the final one we'll talk about is that it also another order reinforces Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which bars the government from discriminating on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. That's a policy that reverses a Trump administration move. And another one that people have impacted just hopefully are sighing a breath of relief until we get legislation that protects them too. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. just, I mean, it's just important for us to remember that like when, like for these marginalized communities, like, it's literally their rights are restored and stripped away by like stroke of this one guy. And we can't keep having our system operate like that. And that's Mm -hmm. what, you know, Amanda Gorman's poem yesterday and all this work we've been doing is talking about like, we need to codify these things so that people's rights aren't able to be dismantled the way that Donald Trump was able to dismantle them. Mm -hmm. And that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) Exactly. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So for the rest of the show, we're going to talk about bipartisanship and how we do this. But as we're talking about this, this has an undercurrent of it just being ridiculous that the state of California, which has 40 million people, has two senators, and so does the state of Wyoming, which has about a million people, has two senators. So when we're talking zero. zero. So when we're talking about partisan gridlock, we're not talking necessarily about a population that is straight down the middle when it comes to these issues. It's pretty clear that the majority of Americans hold opinions that hew more closely to progressive policies, but the way that electoral politics works on a national level means that other interests are weighted more heavily, which is why we have to still deal with Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for the show, we've talked about some of the symbolic and practical steps the president has taken on its own. A much more challenging task will be to work with Congress to pursue some of the sweeping changes the Biden-Harris administration has promised. Yesterday, Senators John Ossoff, Raphael Warnock, and Alex Padilla were sworn in by Vice President Kamala Harris, which turned the Senate to Democratic control. Democrats now control the White House, the Senate, and the House. And we need to start acting like it because we won all of these Mm -hmm. races. This wasn't just a surprise like, oh, time for a turnover. We won (laughs) all three because they like our ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's all of these like questions people keep seeming to have about should Joe Biden work with Republicans? Should the Democrats be working with Republicans? Should we be conceding these things? It's like, no, Republicans need to be working with the Democrats, not the other way around. Like, like that we just, like we just fucking won. It's like, like now you work with us. That's what winning is. (laughs) Right. It's like, okay, so we're going to pass our agenda now. And if you want to get some of your shit in there, you Mm -hmm. can come play ball. But if not, we're going to pass our agenda now. Yeah, <laughs> which is why it's it's frustrating to see headlines like Chuck Schumer is working with Mitch McConnell on a power sharing agreement. Sir, no. don't share the power. Do you think Mitch McConnell would be working on a power sharing agreement had it been flipped? I, uh, Fuck no. Fuck I think no. there's some stuff they have to do because it's technically 50-50 without... Yeah. like as far as like how the committees are put together and whatnot but if we don't go guns blazing on some legislation for real and like really try to do some stuff in the next two years i'm gonna be really pissed off i know <laughs> right. it's like let's tackle this shit with the coronavirus let's get everything like you know everything we can like immediately fix fix tackle fucking coronavirus and then in the next two years try and pass as many Mm-hmm. Legis- as much legislation as we can because 
we don't know what's going to happen in 2022 in terms of like the house or what the yeah. senate i mean incoming administrations usually lose seats you know that doesn't mean we'll lose the house and we doesn't mean like we need to subscribe to that being a thing that's definitely going to happen but we need to look at the next two years as biggest opportunity our party could have possibly been given Mm -hmm. and we cannot fuck around and like dance dance around and try to play games with republicans which i do feel like uh was something that hampered the obama administration Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that they tried to play ball with republicans too many times and lost some opportunities to really pass stuff when they were like had super majorities and stuff Exactly. Because then you just come out with legislation that nobody's happy with. But like you said, Elise, with an even split, there are some practical realities that require some sort of power sharing agreement. Vice President Kamala Harris can serve as the tie-breaking vote, but she has other shit to do. It's just not practical or efficient for her to be running over to the Senate all of the time. And any legislation without bipartisanship is traditionally viewed as it seems weaker and less legitimate and gives future lawmakers better excuses to overturn it. Right now, I believe what they're looking at is a power sharing agreement where Republicans would basically have nearly equal representation on committees, but in a way that would be able to prevent them from blocking things from coming out of committee. That's a bit complicated, but it's looking like a a fairly conciliatory way to account for them without letting them block things. The bigger issue here is going to be the filibuster. So Schumer and McConnell have not yet come to any real meaningful agreement. And this looks like it has a lot to do with the filibuster issue. Mitch McConnell does not want to create any agreement that could allow Democrats to remove the filibuster, the so-called nuclear option for legislation. This rule functionally requires 60 votes for legislation to pass through a series of actions senators can invoke, but basically it makes it a lot harder to get things passed with a simple majority. Um, They could, Democrats could theoretically use their majority with Kamala Harris to throw out the rule, but... I don't really know why people are talking about this because Joe Manchin is now the most powerful person in the Senate and he said he would never get rid of the filibuster. Um, but I, it still looks like Mitch McConnell is concerned enough about the possibility to try to get ahead of it. Without the filibuster, we rely on just good old bipartisanship. Um, as we were talking about the times when after Obama in 2010, we then we kept the Senate because Democrats had won it by so much, but we lost the House. And we also lost a chamber after Clinton's first two years. So like you said, Elise, there are potential consequences, but I want to talk about how this moment maybe mitigates that. This mm-hmm. is such an unprecedented time with such unprecedented problems that I, do you think that could stop the gridlock? Well, (laughs) big faith. (laughs) I mean, so you look at like, you look at like Senator Lisa Murkowski, who recently spoke about how she's not sure if she's a Republican anymore. Um, I think that there is more room on both sides. Like, like we have Joe Manchin on the left. Like he seems more willing to be working with the right. Um, Same thing on the other side. So I think depending upon the certain ideal, I think we'll be able to appeal to those people who really want to govern as opposed to the ones like the Hollies and the Cruises who just want to be president because they are narcissistic, power-grabbing, crazy people. Yeah, I I mean, it's hard to say. Yesterday, obviously, there was like a very bipartisan vibe, which was, you know, what it was. 
Um, I think they had to do that. Obviously, yesterday it would have been wildly inappropriate for there to be any other vibe. But, (laughs) but um, there did. I did get a sense there are people in our government who are tired, and there are senators, even ones who we think of as crazy and don't agree with on any policy, who are tired of not passing anything of not doing anything, of not having anything to show when they go home to their constituents. Like, I do think, hopefully, there are 60 senators <laughs> that want to do some fucking work. These people became senators for a reason. You know, we used to pass bills in this country. Like, I... <laughs> some of them were around when it happened. So, you know, my my hope sincerely is, is that uh, what happened at the Capitol, the trauma of the Trump presidency, all of that has made it so that people do want to take action. Mm-hmm. What role do you think Trump played in the gridlock? I'm wondering if... A lot of the Republicans maneuvering and their external posturing was to appease Donald Trump, I think, throughout a lot of this. There's obviously exceptions like Mitt Romney, but I wouldn't even fully call Lisa Murkowski an exception because there were plenty of times where she was happy to go along. Do you think with Trump out of the picture, their calculus changes? Like, do you think a Lisa Murkowski calculus under Trump is different than under Biden? Do you think removing that factor clears the way for them to maybe get more curious about bipartisanship? I do because, you know, Trump could tweet and then his followers would harass these people and then they would think that their constituents don't want them to do this thing because the president tweeted at them and then this crazy mob of yeah. trolls like started be- like saying, like, don't do this, do that. But also, like, I think about in the grand scheme of like, you know, Biden talks a lot about unity, but it's really true. You know, Trump divided everyone and... It made like your so your your instinctual reaction is to say no, and especially in times of like crises, people usually the country usually unites. So that's what's so I'm um, um, like I feel like so unprecedented as well about this time is like you know post nine eleven, everyone was working together to legislate and you know attack the you know wrongfully. <laughs> They banded together to evade or invade Iraq. Yeah, but, yeah. you know we we missed the mark on that <laughs> <Right>. one. <laughs> We're not saying we got it right. But they still banded together. <laughs> so you'd think like now, like oh my god, we need to band together. Four hundred thousand over four hundred thousand Americans have died. Like let's get it together. So hopefully with this, I maybe and and we saw that with them. You know the the the, the Biden administration and like they 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 like gave a prayer for all the lost souls and they like sat on the the Washington mall and lit those lights. Like, and it was beautiful and it was moving. And I think no, for anyone, regardless of party, and that just never happened. Yeah. I also wonder if it's like, it's specifically Joe Biden. It's not like, not that I'm saying Bernie Sanders shouldn't have been president, but I think they would have gotten a little bit more shit from their base if they went along with Bernie Sanders ideas, even if they were the same ideas as Joe Biden's ideas. I think it's easier to go back to your constituents and be like, it's Joe Biden. Come on. I think that Joe Biden ended up really being the man for the moment. He wasn't my first pick of a candidate. You know, he wasn't some someone. Yeah, he, he wasn't my first pick as a candidate. But I think once the pandemic happened and once we got into this place that we're in now, um, someone like Joe Biden really did like 
he is kind of what the nation needed. Like someone we've known for a long time, someone we can trust, someone who's going to hire a bunch of his old career government people to clean up a mess. Someone who's really, uh, who understands like loss and grief and all of that stuff and the importance of honoring that, you know, Mm -hmm. I think he really, again, just ended up being the man for the moment. Uh, And to what you were asking about Trump's presence, you know, obviously the Democratic, the Republican Party has been on very bad behavior for quite some time now, (laughs) but prior to assessment. Prior to Donald Trump, certainly, but uh, he, I don't think that they could ever come up with anything as a party that they wanted to do or any strategy or plan because he was constantly entering negotiations and just like toppling the table over. And like, again, like Brian was saying, sending out a tweet that ends everything or just out of nowhere deciding like, okay, I'm going to call everyone and say, actually, we have to add this random thing. Like Mm -hmm. they weren't able to organize anything to compromise with Democrats if that was something they even wanted to do because they had the Trump factor. Yeah. It's like, we don't even know what they actually want. I mean, some of them have been quite clear and we know what they don't, what they can live with, which is Mm -hmm. white supremacy, but we don't really know what they actually want. Yeah. I, well, Ted Cruz wants Satan to write his name down in the Book of the Dead, obviously. <laughs> so that's what he's working on. Did you know he wore Any- his mask said, come and take it yesterday? Yes. It's disgusting. That's so fucked up. After a week, really, two weeks after the siege. I, I don't know who told conservatives to put like messages on their masks, but <laughs> I'm over that. I don't need to see another fucking lady with a mask that says censored. Mega, like I. If it'll make them wear them, maybe we should make more. What if? What if Betches did like a side hustle where we we're actually just making like maga masks, <laughs> making, like conservative masks, <laughs> yeah, just to get people to wear them. Huge expose in ProPublica. <gasps> that's that's how we'll get rid of. That's how we'll get rid of our extra flip the Senate merch. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Send Turn it, them in the masks. red, and send it and. And send it to Republicans. If you have that sweatshirt, we are um, exploring options for um, how you might be able to edit them at home and how we can facilitate that process, which would be very cool. The Senate will have a busy couple of weeks, obviously, which we will continue to talk about. Looks like they're looking at a three-day impeachment trial. We'll see where they land on that tomorrow. That is our show today. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Brian Russell-Smith. I'm Elise Morales. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Sup podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Our podcast director is Sean Kilby. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.